and welcome to the Cairns Writes Podcast, home of science fiction, fantasy, and horror author Michael Cairns, me. If you like what you hear today, you can find more at cairnswrites.com and download free sci-fi novella, Childhood Dreams. Poole was a soldier, a hero in the wars that wiped most of humanity from the face of the earth. Now he lies in his hospital bed, searching for meaning, searching for anything. Perhaps Dr. Ferris has the answer. Dying, a sci-fi short story. They want me to take something. They're calling it a magic moment. I call it drugs, but whatever. It's been synthesised from one of the new growths. They're very excited about the new growths. The guy who found the seeds is being fated as a hero, which, considering he found them in the wreckage of a greenhouse in his garden, strikes me as bizarre in the extreme. But then, anyone's a hero these days. We need heroes. There aren't many of us left. So I guess it makes sense if there seem to be a few too many springing up here, there and everywhere. Anyway, synthesised. I lose track these days. This one is from something called a bluebell. They were very beautiful, apparently. One of the first signs of spring, they say. Not been seen in over 200 years, and now they've regrown it, the first thing they're doing is creating drugs from it. Magic moments. I snort, which makes my nose hurt. No surprise there, let's be honest. It's not like there's much of me that doesn't hurt. It's all about not moving. So long as I remain entirely still, I don't feel it too much. I've spent years trying to teach myself that, but... For someone who spent so much of their life running and fighting, using every part of me, it's a tough one to remember. But I've got better at it, especially now the end's in sight. And it is. The docs don't like to tell the truth. Never have, never will. They're telling me I've got years to go, thinking they're doing me a kindness. How they can look at this shriveled, pathetic body, lying useless in this damn bed and think telling me I've got years to live is a good thing is anyone's guess. But they're wrong anyway. Even if I couldn't feel that bony bastard waiting just round the corner for me, I'd know. Because of the magic moment. The more I think about it, the dirtier it sounds. Now that kind of magic moment I can enjoy, but there's not a woman out there would dream of that. Not anymore. Not like it used to be. Used to be a man in uniform could get it anywhere he liked. But I haven't worn a uniform in some time. Not since the last big fall. 10,000 bombs, one final full stop at the end of two centuries of the biggest pissing contest known to man. Not been anything since then. Not that I've seen action anyway. The last big fall wrapped up two years of the worst fighting I'd seen. Made it through unscathed. Then the first bombs came whilst we were still being evac'd. Amazing the things that remain bright in my memory. Laura's face has faded into something that reminds me of the old sepia filters we used to use, back when the wars were something exciting, something we took photos of to send back home. I can't even remember the kids' names. But the day the bomb took my legs is seared in there like someone branded it direct onto my brain. Paul, how are you today? Dr Ferris has just entered. Some days I ignore them. They say I'm too deep in the past, reliving those horrible moments, but I'm not. 
I get enough of that when I sleep. Mostly, I'm just ignoring them. What's the point listening when I know what they're going to say? Although he might want to talk to me about the magic moment, and despite my initial misgivings, I'm feeling crazy today, reckless. I might just go for it. It's good to see you smiling, Paul. Hi, Doc, how's things? Well, thank you, though the new growths are causing some hassle I could happily do without. Oh? Of them all, I like Ferris the most. He's at least willing to engage in a conversation, tell me about himself. The others all cite the relationship, that catch-all for pretending a patient is no longer human, but not Dr. Ferris. Hmm, he says. Apparently, synthesising drugs from newly discovered plants could be risky going forwards. I've not got much forwards left, I reply. Which was the point I made to the board yesterday. It's not like we're encouraging teenagers to get high. We're using them to give people like you a few days that actually feel like living before you pass away, that's all. Every day feels like living, Doc. I'm sorry, Paul, he says. I didn't mean it like that. I suppose I meant a day that you wanted to live. I like that he's honest about this. There's none of the fake smiles when I'm presented with jello for pudding, or a new movie or some other crappy distraction they like to pretend makes things bearable, in order to assuage the meaningless guilt they feel over having to watch me die. Dr. Ferris knows every day sucks and doesn't act otherwise. When you put it like that, I'd have to ask where's the drug and how can I get it, I say. I thought you might. I shouldn't be having this conversation. The choice has to be made by you, following a non-biased presentation from a specialist. You're a specialist? Yes, but not in drug-induced hallucinations. Bet you'd like to be, though, eh? I say. If you're suggesting, he's grinning as he speaks, that an expert would have had to try the product, I'm sorry to disappoint you. Hey, if they tell you they haven't taken it, I'm sure they're telling the truth. We share a brief moment where I manage to forget the pain. Then his smile slips and he shrugs. Anyway, the government aren't keen on us having such products available, so... Are you here to tell me I'm not going to get a magic moment? I'm smiling, but I can't deny the heaviness in my gut. I'm here to tell you you'll only get one, and that might have to be done under the radar. Hey, I say, I'm used to doing things under the radar. So I hear. You heard, did you? For a second I sound like the doctor. I was given the unenviable choice of deciding who should get the benefits from the small supply we've already created. They gave me everyone's files. I already thought a great deal of you, Paul, but I must confess to being even more impressed after reading yours. Real war hero me. I almost managed to conceal my sneer. Almost. But you were. Seven years of covert operations. You went undercover with the burning tigers, didn't you? I get flashes, brief glimpses of those months in the darkened cities, what was left of Africa after the second fall. Months of murder, too much blood. My consolation is the flash of me sticking my knife into Commander Tellen. Bastard used child soldiers. I did, I say. So I think you deserve a magic moment. Well, that's very kind of you, Doc. I know, I can't help it, it comes naturally. He grins, patting the bed as though he wants to applaud his humour. I'm not evil enough to suggest it wasn't funny. He's not enjoying this. I often get the feeling he doesn't enjoy much of what he does. 
Why are you here, Doc? I ask. I'm sorry, he says. Why are you here? Surely you've got the chops to work in a hospital. Why a hospice? Someone's got to do it. There are plenty of someones. Why you? The doctor stares over my head out the window. I wait for him to pull the patient card to close the conversation. Then he clears his throat. <clears throat> my father died in a hospice. He wasn't happy, but... He blinks a few times before turning his gaze to me. He was as happy as he could be. That isn't saying much, I'm sorry to say, but it was better than nothing. The people who worked there... More blinking. I've not seen this much emotion from anyone in the last few years. Not one person has shown me what's really inside. A lump forms in my throat as I watch the man before me struggling with whatever sits behind his eyes and drives him on. I can't remember what used to live behind mine, what drove me into the army. I think it might have been my father, too, but I couldn't say for sure. Now he's wearing his on his face like it's been tattooed there. He doesn't like his job, but it doesn't look like he's got much choice. The people who worked there were very kind, kinder than any I've met since. I hoped. You wanted to be like them, I say. I did. Thank you, I say, ignoring the gruffness to my voice. Whatever for? It's a good question. For showing me something I ain't seen in a while, I reply. He blinks a bit, though not to clear the tears this time. He's trying to work out what I'm talking about. I'll leave him with the mystery. Life's more fun with a little mystery. He pulls out a slim case, places it on the bedside. So, are you happy to continue with the Magic Moments project? Now, I say, why not? It's another good question. Well, I am kind of busy right now, and I've got a few appointments coming up. He smiles, but it's in sympathy at my own pathetic attempt at humour. Then he opens the case and takes out a needle filled with pale blue liquid. I twitch. I've seen, felt, more needles in the last few years than any person alive. But what's one more for a day of happy pretend? He takes my arm out from beneath the covers. So gently the tears sneak back into my eyes. He looks down at me and smiles. Have fun, Paul. You too, Doc. Don't pretend for a second you ain't keeping some for yourself. He smiles, though it's different this time. Loaded, I think is the word. I don't know what with, though. Another mystery. More fun for me, I suppose. I don't feel the needle. Lost feeling in my arms a while back. At first, I think I'm falling out of bed. Then a great darkness sweeps over me and I fall for real. Dr. Ferris slipped the captain's arm back under the covers, patted the bedclothes a couple of times. He checked his watch. He had another hour before the shift changed and the nurses returned. One hour to find an alibi. Another one. He sighed. One day he wouldn't manage it. One day they'd figure it out and that would be it. Either the nurses or the patients. But the patients didn't want to work it out. Paul was a smart man. A rare find in soldiers these days, but he was. Had he wanted to know the magic moment was a fake, he'd have worked it out. But he didn't because he knew the only day worth living was the last. 
Dr. Ferris flicked out the lights and left the room. Thanks for listening. If you liked what you heard, you can find more at cairnsrights.com and come back in a week for the next episode. You can also find me on Pinterest, Facebook, Goodreads and Twitter or email me at michael at cairnsrights.com.